Well, this morning is going to be a fun morning. Uh, we are, I'm going to be sitting down in this chair, a little something new, throwing me a little curveball, and my dad's going to be sitting in that chair, and I'm going to do a little interview this morning, interviewing the original Zanako, Steve, the man. No, I don't need that. That's great. Oh, sorry, Chad, what I do need is that mic right back there. Always organized, always organized. So we're gonna, I'm going to be interviewing my dad. He's part of some really cool things that are happening in Ukraine. And he got back from a trip recently. And he was telling stories about what Jesus was doing. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that is amazing. And not only is it just a cool story, but I felt like as I was listening to his stories, I was seeing Jesus in a new way. And I love, I love Jesus. And we love Jesus. That's why we're here. And so we're going to have him share some stories. I'm just going to ask him a few questions about what he's seen God do uh, over the years in Ukraine and even just what he saw in the last couple of weeks. And the reason we wanted to do that this morning is uh, not because we're going to say, okay, everybody, go to Ukraine. That's like... That's not the, the action step after this. So if, that, if you're like already got your walls up, like I can't go to Ukraine, I don't know how to go to Ukraine, I don't want to go to just it's okay, we're not even going to ask for it. So that's okay. We're not asking, trying to get you to go to Ukraine, we're not doing a big fundraiser for Ukraine or anything like that. The point of this morning is just to see Jesus. And I want to encourage you as you listen to these stories to just open your eyes and your ears and your heart to, uh, to see Jesus in a new way. And over the years, I've had the opportunity to go overseas and do different things and share the gospel in a lot of different places from Eastern Europe to Middle East to Haiti, all kinds of different places. And what has been my, one of my biggest takeaways from time traveling and meeting so many different people and interacting with different cultures is that Jesus is the same Jesus everywhere you go. He's just, he's always amazing. And no matter who you are, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what you got going on in your life, you don't need anything more complicated than Jesus. He's just that good. He's just, he's so, he's so good. And so uh, that's what we're, that's the point of this morning is just want to get a new picture of Jesus. And that's one of my favorite things about hearing these stories of Ukraine is that Jesus is the same here on a Sunday morning as he is over there at the same time with just different people. And, you know, for us, it's just easy to get tunnel vision in our lives, right? Like you've got your schedule, your day-to-day, which is totally fine. We've got our lives, our country, our city, our this, our that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's sometimes there's just something powerful being intentional to zoom out a little bit from our own life and hear about what God's doing somewhere else. Amen? Awesome. So this is my dad, Steve Zanako. He's incredible. And uh, he's an amazing, he's an amazing man of God. He's an amazing husband. He's an amazing dad. I, I've seen him be a good husband. He's my mom's husband. Um, I've seen it close up for about 28 years now, and he's doing a great job. So uh, he's, doing a, he's just an amazing man. He's an amazing friend. He's an amazing leader. He's an amazing businessman. He's an amazing teacher. He's an amazing preacher, and it's an honor to have him here this morning. So uh, we're just gonna, I'm just going to ask him a few questions and let you into basically what happened around the lunch table at Panera last week when I was hearing about what God was doing. So are you guys ready to hear? Awesome. And uh, the, the title for this morning is Jesus. I need to write, I'm serious, write that as your notes because you're going to want to take notes this morning. I know it's stories, but take notes because as I was listening to these stories, I was just seeing, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Just little things about Jesus. Just look for Jesus in the stories. Is that making sense to anybody? So more, and that's a picture of Ukraine. So that's cool. Isn't that cool? Wow. Anyways, Steve. Thanks for joining us this morning, Steve. My privilege, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. See, we can have fun at church, right? Are we going to get too serious about this or can we have fun? 
Awesome. So I just gave, obviously, an introduction about you and told everybody how awesome you are. So um, talked about Ukraine, but the Ukraine journey has been a long journey. You've been going there for a long time. It started a long while back. So catch us up a little bit on how you started getting, how you started going to Ukraine. Yeah how it's developed over the years, how relationships have developed. And so how did it start? And then like, what role do you serve okay. with this group of people there right okay. now? And I'll go in excerpts and let you tell me, cause you know, I can talk about this stuff forever. So I'm going to try and give <laughs> breaks for you to look and say, okay. keep going or not. Great. Um, so the, the actual start, and it's kind of important is actually the first thing that led to Ukraine was an ask by God to go to Russia. Right after the wall came down in Russia, there was a tremendous movement of an openness to go and share the gospel. Um, and there, I heard there was opportunities to go, literally to go to places where people had never in their life seen a Bible. And so that was really intriguing to me, but I didn't want to go to Russia in the midst of the wall being down, the communists were still marching. It was just intense. And so I what said, year no, was that? 91. And um, so it started actually with my first trip overseas was to Moscow. And I'm not, that's a whole story in itself, but just to be able to watch God, you were just saying, does God work, not just in Indianapolis, Indiana, in Carmel, Indiana, in the United States, how does God work in parts of the world that I have no understanding for and that are going through things that I've never experienced before? So I saw things on that Moscow trip um, that challenged me because it was, it scared me. Um, I was scared almost the whole time I was there. I was, uh, that was at a time there was no faxes, there was no emails, so I had no contact with my family, so it was a big risk to be We're gone. back to no faxing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's how long ago this yeah, was. that's how long We've ago We've cycled through faxing. All right, let's, no more age jokes. Anyway. <laughs> um, but it was a big, it was, and so I learned stepping out of control, just God moved in a big way, and I thought, I need to do this more. Um, and so the next year, there was a trip going to Ukraine. I went to Ukraine, and that opened my eyes to it. But the real lead to this particular ministry in Ukraine was you. Um, so many years later, I saw Andrew as a 14-year-old, and I think there's a, a, a picture coming up. that and Andrew was an amazing young man. But Lynn and I did see that maybe some exposure <laughs> to less than and hurting people might help him in his road to pastoring. And so <laughs> we, were, we were looking for a trip in which oh, we yeah. could, uh, and this was a trip <laughs> that we heard about a, an incredible mission that the kids had actually had hands-on things that they could do. So it wasn't just going and observing. They would get assigned a camper and they would have that camper. And I thought that would be awesome for Andrew. So really, the first trip was for you. Um, I was just taking a trip to Ukraine. Um, when I got to the camp, But God knew you were the one that needed the work. God knew I was the one that clearly. needed the work, obviously. Um, when we got there, what I saw um, just totally amazed me. This was a ministry, and I don't know, uh, well, I'll, I'll stop here, but just to say, I saw things going on and God doing things that I had not seen before. And I felt, uh, I saw a staff of people that were giving their lives away and they were in some ways giving so much away that they had so little at the end, their own lives were hurting so bad. And I felt like God was saying, you need to minister to the ministers. Um, and so I felt very called to the staff. So that's what led me to the first calling to Ukraine. And what's the ministry called? Um, Mission to Ukraine. And what are some things that they do? Okay, Mission to Ukraine was started actually right around when the wall fell. 
two young, two women gave their lives to Christ, and they were really convicted about the abortion issue in the uh, Eastern Europe, which they can have 9 to 21 abortions. They are taught that abortion is a uh, birth control method, and so they were just really torn. There was nobody interested in that, and so two women stepped out in faith, went to one hospital, and said, can we just talk to women before they are going to have their abortions? And the hospital administrators, it's actually a business in Ukraine, and so they weren't really anxious to have business taken away from them, but they said they gave them a small room down in the basement, and they said, and they just started meeting with women and praying for them. And these two women out of this now have birthed a ministry, and we'll go into this more, that has 45 staff, that has a dental clinic, a medical clinic, of uh, they physical therapy for disabled kids that don't have, all birthed out of these two women that said, all I'm gonna do is ask and pray. And it's amazing what God did. And one other side note is one time a girl came into the hospital was burned over 70% of her body. There was no, the doctors looked and said, she's not gonna make it. So they, this is hard to hear, but they basically put her in a room with aspirin and they knew she was gonna pass away. And they asked, and some of the people in this ministry asked if they could just pray over this woman. And if she lived for two days, would they start to take care of her? And so they did. And the girl lived and actually they ended up bringing her America to have, so there's just, Un endless stories of God doing miraculous stuff. Sorry. So, no, it's so yeah. good. And then zoom in just real quick on the, the yeah. camps you mentioned. I know we'll talk about that okay. later, but what are they? Yeah. What, what purpose? Absolutely. Are they? So um, follow the story. These women talk women into having their children, and, but then they're birthed into an incredibly impoverished, hard part of the world. And so they felt convicted of saying, if we're going to stand with them and say, keep your child, how do we stand with you afterwards? And so they started committing to 18 months of food and service for, so that they would help these women, which I thought is just awesome. Jesus doesn't say, do the hard thing, and then we'll, we'll see you on the sidelines. Stepped in. And so many of the, some of the children, they started to see a disabled issue, and MTU started to step in. In Ukraine, there are no disabled services. And so Mission to Ukraine, actually from uh, abortion to children's support, stepped into a disabled ministry. And I need to take just a few minutes. Disabled... In the Ukraine, I could give story after story, but um, they are treated as less than, less than. And so they, if a woman has a disabled child, and in Ukraine, if there's a nine-story apartment building that has no elevators, they are given the ninth story because that's the worst apartment. And so as their child grows and they have no elevator and they have no access they sometimes can no longer carry their child down the steps. So there are times when a parent will not be able to take their child out for the entire winter. So that's the kind of world that, that, they, that I'm talking about that MTU worked in to minister. So they started disabled and then, just trying to keep it short, then they moved and they said, what we need to do is show them the kingdom of God. And so they take these people who have nothing and they do a camp for them. And they create a camp and they ask for volunteers with some of the most amazing, and usually they're 18 to 22 year olds that are some of the most incredible Ukrainians I've ever seen. And each camper's assigned a child. And for 10 days, they love on this child and carry this child. And it's just, it's the most obvious where heaven touches earth of any place that I've been. Not that there aren't many. This is just one of the ones that I've gotten to see. Yeah. 
Amazing. Mm-hmm. And your, how has your role changed? What role do you serve right now for MTU and the camps? And all yeah. That? So MTU has now, as my role has grown, has asked whether or not I would act as a pastor for the ministry. So I go over three times a year, um, pour into the staff, counsel with the staff. Um, I do a retreat one time a year uh, and take them. Uh, some of them had never, ever been out of their city. And so we'll take them to the Carpathian Mountains and let them see a waterfall. And so there's just some beautiful things. But pastor, and then I come to the camps because I serve a specific role for the parents at the camps as well. Awesome. So that's how the journey has developed over the years. And then you obviously just got back uh, from, you got back, I guess, last Saturday night. Yes. It was. So, and you were telling me about some specific challenges and unique challenges that came up on this trip that I thought were really, really incredible. And so you kind of were presented with a unique challenge right Mm -hmm. at the beginning that was new. And then you were able just even in your short time there to see God do some incredible stuff in that specific unique challenge. And so how did did the last trip start? Okay. And so this is kind of in three sections. And one of the things I want to paint is if you'll hang with it, one of the things I got to see was how God knit these three different stories in an incredible way at the end to go, oh my gosh, look at how you're in the details. So I landed, and normally, because I do some technical teaching and theological teaching, it's a, very di- it's a fairly difficult uh, interpreta- interpreters have to be fairly skilled. And so I'm usually assigned two of one of three interpreters, and that's usually what I have. And for some reason, when I landed and got to the camps this time, um, I was assigned a different interpreter. And uh, it's a, it was a precious girl. But before I had gone, I had heard that one of the pastors that goes out to the villages, a wonderful, deeply loved pastor, was driving his car back from Germany, picked up a car for his ministry, fell asleep, and had an accident, and his wife was in the car, and his wife was killed. So that was five days prior to my landing. The daughter, the one who interpreted for me was the daughter of the woman who had died. And right away, I just thought, it was five days after burying her mother. She had lived in China, come back to Ukraine to help bury her mother. And I was like, God, what are we doing here? Um, I'm going into some really hard situations. And I just was like, what is going on here with her interpreting? So it caught me off guard. It was a very unique situation. Um, but what I got to see over that was, obviously, there was tears. And um, so can I tell a little bit? About, okay, so... This sweet girl, um, I could tell that there was not just pain, but there was a brokenness. And so in between interpretation sessions, I started to be able to talk to her. And what had happened is that there had, some, there had been some separation between her mother and her father and her faith walk um, that had not separated her from her parents, but she knew that some of that separation had really hurt her mother and father. And she loved her mother and father dearly. And so now there was this loss and a gap that she felt had not been closed. And I know that's hard to hear, but that's what she was struggling with. And so there would be tears and we would talk. Um, And one of the most unique relationships, and it will work into the rest of these relationships, is that as as I talked with her, there was one time where I got to, she told me some of her hard struggles and they were really hard that she had been through that had led to this brokenness in this unhealed place and she needed healing and in these conversations for hours and in these tears all of a sudden she looked at me and she said god 
brought me here for my healing. And I watched as God took one girl out of all this ministry and said, in the midst of all that's going on in these camps, I also, I'm focused deeply on you. And she said this, and this is really hard for me to get through because it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard, is that she looked and then she just wept with joy as God filled the gap between the loss of her and her mom and the unsaid words. And she said, isn't it just like my mom that even in her death, she is ministering to me. And she saw God knitting all this together. So that was pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So one of the things that she helped you with in the midst of all of her grieving and and what God was doing and all in the midst of all of that is there's a camp going on. Yes. And so she's helping invest in those kids. You're helping invest in those kids. Uh, So you've done the camps a bunch of times, but what was the experience on this last trip with Marina by your side? Yeah. So this camp, my role at the camp actually is I don't get a camper. I'm really attached to the parents because you can imagine. And I, and I, I like take a man who has come and never put down his son. And I remember his name is Cole. You're not from this trip. And by never, you mean like never. Never trusted his son to anybody else because he doesn't know what anybody else will do with that son. But he also doesn't have a wheelchair. He doesn't have any process. So he just carries his son. And he comes into camp and we say, can we have your son? And he says, no, I will not give up my son. Even though there's been a camper aside. And so for two days, he won't put down his son. And then eventually watch him look what's going on and put down his son and give it to a camper. And then I'm talking to this father one time and he looks and his son is going probably 100 miles an hour being pushed by an 18 year old. And his son, Kolya, is laughing and smiling. And I look over and the father is weeping and saying, I've never seen anything like this before. So that's the atmosphere of camp that is going on. At the end of camp, these parents that have the toughest life I've ever run into have a period in which I will come in and do a session and they get to ask the hard questions and we know what those hard questions are. Why is my life like this? Where is God in all of this? Is my suffering due to my sin? Is my, how does God feel about my child? Honestly, is God repulsed over my child like other people are? There are hard, hard questions and then an invitation to introduce them to Jesus. And it's the most spectacular time of the camp, and that's the part I get to do. Yeah. And so um, this particular camp, they had said when I came in, I came in about five days in, and they said it was the hardest camp that they've had, mm. that the parents were just broken and hurting and were not, they had small group sessions, weren't really engaging. In fact, there was a large Russian guy um, who was in a camp and they tried to do an icebreaker and all the women were talking and trying to do the icebreaker and then when they got to the man, he said, I just think it's time for all of us to shut up. And everybody did. Because <laughs> he didn't want to talk, he didn't want to deal with us. And he did. So at the end of this, the question started and we have this session with the parents. And what they really, you can imagine my uh, humility of just going and say, what do I have to say to parents like this? The worst thing I could do is go in and say, oh yeah, I know what you're feeling. Mm. I don't. So the only answer I have is Jesus for them. And what I mean by that is I can't, I say to them, I can't, I had the privilege of saying, I can't answer all of the whys, Mm. but I can answer the who. 
if we'll look into the face of Jesus. And so just stories of being able to say, is your sin or is your struggle because of your sin? And going to Jesus' exchange with John the Baptist where he says, you are the best man that ever walked the face of the earth. And yet John the Baptist still suffered and died. Mm. And so we can answer and say, no, it's not suffering. Is it Jesus? Is God repulsed by your child? Let's look at Jesus, not only healing a leper, but reaching out and touching his face. Amen. Is he? And so there are yeah. story after story of taking him to Jesus where they all of a sudden soften and you don't answer one of their questions mm. except who is God in the face of Jesus? And it's enough. And 21 parents, including this large Russian man, Gave his life to Christ. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Come on. And, uh, and asked to pray publicly, wow. prayed publicly, and then stood up and said, my entire view of the world changed at camp this week. So pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. So. Maybe just take another couple minutes and explain. I mean, we've talked a lot about the camp and... Um, one thing, that, one thing that you said earlier and, and then you said to me last week was, you, well, you said this morning that it, it's kind of the most clear picture that you've ever seen of heaven touching earth and yeah. telling me and, you know, having been there, I know what you're talking about, that there's this, there's like a clarity of what the kingdom of God looks like when you watch some of these Ukrainians love these kids. It's this, this, this clear picture of the incredible love yes. of God, like nothing else. And so um, just... Explain a little bit more of like where are people, where are these kids and these parents coming from? What are some of the situations? Okay. Not not just to talk about how hard it is, but like these are the situations where Jesus is showing up. Yeah. And touching these hearts. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if there's one picture, Chad, of a, of a, okay, so if you guys can see, it's probably hard to see, but right in the middle, there's a man with a suit coat. Now he's at camp with a suit coat out of respect. I mean, the, the deep level of respect and he's pushing his daughter. His daughter has a disease that um, her bones are so brittle, she's had 72 breaks in her bone. Um, she has gone on to get an education in psychology to which her dad has to push her from, to and from their place. Their place, um, I went to visit them, their place is a one room that is shared by five or six people. It is, shares one bathroom in a floor of apartments and one kitchenette that two floors share. It's like nothing I've ever seen. And I walked out at one point and we walked out with the mission to Ukraine staff and he walked out with us because it gets harder. His wife is blind and now he's going blind. And he came out and he said to us, I need my, my daughter wants to finish her education, but I can't push her wheelchair anymore. And darkness and hopelessness. And MTU rallies around, goes to the churches, signs up a list of volunteers, and makes sure that that girl got pushed to her classes. And the church, Jesus rises up in the hands, and all of a sudden light floods over darkness and darkness. And that's, I get to see all of these uh, collisions between darkness and light. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wow. All right. So you get to be a part of these camps and you see God doing amazing things there. Yeah. Another thing that over the years has developed is you've been connected not only with the MTU staff, but also a group of Messianic 
Jewish pastors that every time you come, these stout Ukrainian Jewish (laughs) men have big theological questions that they want your answers to. They do. (laughs) So you got to meet with them again and have spirited conversation. Yes. And in the midst of that, Marina was with you again. And God did some more cool stuff. Tell us about that. So again, you can watch this knitting together. So there is a group of pastors that I started to meet with now. These guys are talk about in the trenches. They run 21 soup kitchens. They do it to tuberculosis people. They go everywhere and every place, and they see some of the hardest things. But they love for me to come in, and it's one of the most intimidating because it's like this big master table, and I'm always on one side with the leader of the ministry, and then there's like 17 pastors on the other side, and they just want to pepper questions about just saying. <laughs> and so they want me to bring a topic. It's very intense. And then they start going off. And on Ukrainians are intense. And Ukrainians are intense. They talk with their body. We talk with our hands. They talk yeah. with every part of their body. <laughs> And during these discussions, you're watching these one-offs start to happen, and you don't know whether they're saying to each other, this guy's a heretic and we need to kill him, or whether or not they're like, that was a good point, because it looks the same. So, and I can't hear the language. And um, so anyway, in this particular topic, I have always brought a topic they've always asked. This time I emailed ahead and I said, you guys choose the topic. And so I never got a response. They said they'd pick the topic, but they'd never told me what that topic was. So I went through camp. I kept sending messages to them and saying, what's the topic? I'd like to have a little time to understand where are we going because it's, it's deep stuff usually. And I never got the topic. So I, we arrived at the, at the ministry place where we were going to meet. And it's known in Jatomer, this place. These guys are very reverent, and it is known. And it's, it's just it's a little bit intimidating. And so we were walking up the stairs, and Marina, I said, Marina? I don't know the topic. She's the only woman. She's the only woman. And she says, I said, Marina, I don't know the topic. I said, this is open field running. I said, and she just walks up the stairs and started praying. I could hear her every step. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. And she goes, you know, we're going to the Holy of Holies. (laughs) I said, yeah. (laughs) And so we walk in, sit down, and I say, so guys, what are we going to talk about? And they began to, okay, okay, um, they began to say to us that what they felt like God had laid on their hearts is that Ukraine with the war, with everything that's going on, is getting harder and harder and harder. There is literally not a day where they don't have to step into tragedy. And I'm talking about deep suffering. And they said, we want to talk about as pastors in the midst of this deep tragedy that we'll face today, today, and tomorrow, when people are always asking us, who is God and what is God in the tragedy? How do we answer that? So, um, and then they went on just a few points, made a few points, and they went to the scriptures, and they were all great theological points. I said, so what are your answers? God is sovereign, and therefore he's in control. True. God is powerful. True. God has, we owe God our very lives. Absolutely. Then they, every theological point was correct. Okay, you follow me? So then they said, so what do we talk about? And I said, first thing I have to do is, and I looked over at Marina, because now she's going to have to translate our answers as pastors, where is God in the greatest suffering? And I said, you guys, we have the biggest test in the world in front of us, because if our answers don't minister to Marina, then they don't mean a thing. And I said, so we get the challenge of how do we get that theology and how do we minister to Marina? Yeah. And I said, Marina, are you okay? And she wept. And she said, yes, I can do this. And she got to interpret for two hours as we wrestled 
with how do we answer those questions. And what we did was take theology, and this is where the camp comes in. I said, you guys, can I take you through the session at camp and tell you what I found is that all of the answers are correct. He is sovereign. He is powerful. We owe him. That is all very true. But what people are really asking is, is he good? Because God can be sovereign and still not be good. God could be powerful and still not be good. At the end, we can't answer their problems, but we can say, is he good? And we can show him in the person of Jesus. And we walk through six or seven stories of what God gives us of the picture of Jesus to be able to say and watch people get at peace when you haven't changed their circumstances, but you've proven to them that God is good. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so good. And I think that is just, that's so powerful. And as I was listening to you now and last week, just thinking, my goodness, that happened in Ukraine with this specific group of people, with this group of pastors, but I need that yeah. as, a, as a person who's following Jesus. Yeah. That's just amazing how, and I, I, I see it in, in my life, my own personal life, and as I talk with people, how easy it is to get distracted, like talking about God yes. and miss Jesus. That's right. That he, he is God. And sometimes we get so caught up in trying to give right. answers to questions and we miss that Jesus Jesus is the picture of God. He's the image of the invisible God. And he, put, he literally puts flesh and bone right. to God on earth right. for what God is really like in the, midst of these, in the midst of these things. And I think, you know, okay, I may not be having the same suffering that these people are talking about. I may not be entering into the same tragedies right. as these pastors every day. I may not be having to carry my hand. All of these sorts of things. Right. I may not be running into those things. But I've got my questions. That's right. And I'm running into people who have questions. Like all of you, like, We've got friends with questions. Maybe you have questions this morning. You've got family members with questions. And it can be so intimidating to be presented with these questions and on the, the pretext of give me the answer that makes everything make sense. Right. And it's just not there. It's not there. But the ability, the, the ability that Jesus gives us to look through his life, to look at who Jesus is and say, I, I, don't, I don't understand. And like, like you said, none of these answer the why. Mm-hmm. But God's in it, and this is how I know. Jesus steps in to right. your sin, into your leprosy, into all of these things. And I'm not saying it, like, fixes it necessarily, right. but that's who he is. And um, I just, I learned a lesson from that and just wanted to even highlight that this morning, that in a world where even in our culture, I think especially, we can get so caught up in, like, what's the right answer, you know, like, that makes perfect sense. And that can be so intimidating, but we just need Jesus. And, We've got to get to know right. Jesus. And, and I think... Sometimes when we say, I think we have to have a picture in our mind that when we say, what's the answer, Jesus, the world hears that as a simplistic answer. In other words, that doesn't really tell me anything. What we have to be able to ready to fill in the gap is that's actually a huge answer. They just don't know it. That's good. We have to be able to go back and pull in and say, no, when I say Jesus is the answer, know who he is through his stories And that's what we're saying. So actually, they think it's a small little pithy answer. And what we're saying is, no, it's a huge Mm. answer. Amazing. It's just contained. So good. Yeah, it's so good. So kind of along this thought of, you know, I guess just kind of give us some parting thoughts here. Um, I mean, obviously, we've gone forever. It's been years that you're doing this. But what is, 
to say it frankly, like, what does all of this have to do with us? You know, like, if the answer isn't, or if the thing today isn't, go to Ukraine and let's give a bunch of money, you know, let's figure, what, what does it mean for us about, how do we see Jesus in here? What, what are some takeaways? And this is why I had you take notes out if you haven't written anything yet. I want you to uh, just be ready to take some final notes because this is important. I think that we can hear good stories right. and be amazed by God, right. but how do we put feet to this and walk out of here with something that, that matters for us. I wrote these down so that I would make sure to land the plane in time. Ready? <laughs> so the first one is, uh, these are takeaways from my journey with God because, through these stories, is one, if I want to see a big God, I have to seek out the uncomfortable and the uncontrollable. If we want God to get huge, we gotta, put, we gotta realize we're gonna have to go places where we need him to be huge. So good. Um, Christine came. I love her comment. She says, we pray and pray and want to see a miraculous God, and then we spend the rest of our life making sure we stay in places and do things that we don't need him to be miraculous. Mm, yeah. And so that, that's the first one. That's good. I got to seek out the uncomfortable mm. and the uncontrollable, and God will get huge in our lives. Number two, God's answers are different than I expect, but have always exceeded my faith. And what I mean by that is, I don't know about you, I've gotten to points where these stories in Ukraine, when I'm counseling, where I look and I go, I don't know what to tell you about a Ukrainian mafia guy breaking your arms and you having no police protection. I have no stories to tell about that. And I walk out of there sometimes thinking, God, this is too big even for you. Yeah. Only to go back in a couple of trips and watch him knit miraculously caring for this person. Mm -hmm. And so his answers are different. Mm -hmm. They've always exceeded my faith. Three, light over, truly does overcome even the greatest darkness. I've never seen darkness and hopelessness like I see here. And yet the promise that hope never disappoints always comes true in that darkness. And light always overcomes darkness. And last in my journey with God is that God all at the same time, this is the story of Marina, the camp people, God at the same time is so intensely focused on the world, his kingdom, and miraculously on each individual child. Mm, yeah. That's been amazing to me. Here's all this camp world going on, the camp and Marina. Yeah. And God's working at the same time. Yeah. So um, then in terms of Jesus, uh, I landed on these few points, is that Ravi Zacharias says that in the culture of Jesus, that Jesus, or that the Hebrews were looking for light, the Greeks sought wisdom, the Romans sought glory. And isn't it miraculous that here's the scripture that we are given by God about Jesus. He says in this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God said, light shall shine out of the darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us light, knowledge, yeah. and the glory of God. Amen. Answered every culture. And so I see that the tragedy of America is that America is always thinking that we're just one election away, one program away, one wisdom away from the solution. And they haven't looked at our history and say, we're never one wow. step away. Wow. When you go to Ukraine, they know there is no solution. And so they go right to Jesus. Wow. And the last three points about Jesus, and then I'll wrap That's this great. up. Jesus truly ends up being the floor to every free fall. I've had free falls of faith, people. Yeah. 
and I've gone through archaeological, I've gone through scientific, I've gone through prophetic, where I can't, where I never go through is what do I do with this person of Jesus? He's at the floor to every doubt. Jesus is God's assurance that I'm not just good, I'm not just powerful, I am good. Yeah. And that's what the world is really asking. Mm. Is God good? And last, Jesus is truly the answer to every question and every need. And again, that goes back to Jesus isn't a small pithy answer. He's a huge answer. Yeah. We just have to know him well enough to bring him to others. So good. So good. So good. Can we give my dad a round of applause real quick? We're going to wrap up uh, our time with one more song of worship, and I want you to go ahead and stand as we, as we do that. And uh, just as they get set up here, I want to just kind of wrap, wrap this up again, bring us back to why are we talking about all of this this morning. And, um, you know, it's a little bit of a different format uh, than the normal Sunday mornings and all that kind of stuff, but I, you know, every week we end, we say we want to be people who respond to what God's doing, and we still want to do that, even in a little bit of a different context. And I hope this morning that uh, you were able to get a fresh picture of Jesus and the message that is preached this morning, again, it's not about have you ever been overseas or not, or are, we, are you doing enough, is this, this or that, or whatever. There, there's so many things that you know, we need to dig into, but the real bottom line is what my dad just said, that Jesus is the bottom line. And I just wanted to him to come and share this morning with that simplicity. And let that be just the bottom line of who we are as a people and wherever you are in life right now. You may love Jesus and be feeling high on faith and everything like that, or you may be on the other side, but I just hope this morning that as a people, like as a church, not as Antioch and all that kind of stuff, but as people who are followers of Jesus, that we would continually be getting fresh looks at him and in no other way to say it, getting continually more obsessed with just who Jesus is more convinced that Jesus is the answer. He is everything that everybody's looking for. No matter how strong you feel, no matter how weak you feel about anything or what situation you're put into, God has called you and filled you with his spirit so that you could step into a broken and hurting world. And you don't have the answers, but he came to be the answer. And I just wanna encourage you this morning that as you go out this week, into your life, into whatever situations maybe you know about, some you don't know about. I want you as a believer in Jesus to go out in a fresh confidence that Jesus is with you. He is the hope of the world. He is what everybody's looking for. He is enough for every situation. The ones that look too big, the ones that even you think are too small, people need Jesus. And maybe even this week, there's something that's gonna get clarified in your life where maybe there's been distraction, just kind of like those cultures. We're looking for light, we're looking for knowledge, we're looking for glory, but what we need is Jesus. And so we're gonna finish with a song and it's called Everything and Nothing Less. We've done it before and I just wanna encourage you to worship this morning. Our response this morning is just simply a confession that Jesus, you are worth everything because you are everything. You're worth everything, nothing less. And, and no, you're not, you're not a small answer. You're, you are the answer for absolutely everything. So I wanna just invite you to worship uh, one more song and, and just let it be a declaration over your life this morning as a response to this truth that Jesus is enough, amen? I wanna pray for us as we 
finish our time. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for your power. We thank you for all these things. But in the midst of it, God, we thank you that you are also good. Would you open our eyes this week as we read your word, as we go through our lives, as we are going through relationships and getting into situations and and maybe having the opportunity to help people. Lord, would you help us to see you, Jesus? Would you show us who you are? And would you do amazing things in our lives? We pray, God, that people would meet your goodness in our city. And as we sing this song, as we confess this morning that you're worth everything and nothing less, Lord, I think that when we give you everything, we get you in return. So would you teach us this morning how to see you and how to give you our lives? We, we love you in Jesus' name.